Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Hi, and welcome to episode 244 of Martha Runs the World. Right now, we're just at the cusp of summer. We're moving into fall. Things are starting to get cooler in most parts of the country and the northern hemisphere. And people are preparing and and looking towards winter. Yes, the W word. It will start to get cold in most places. Now in Northern California, where I am in the Bay Area, we'll get a heat streak in early October, and then it will all of a sudden get cold. (laughs) That's kind of how it is. Last year was an anomaly year with El Nino rains. It rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained. But I don't expect that to be the same this year. Hopefully we'll get rain, but hopefully maybe not quite as much. It was nice to have rain, but I don't know. It was a lot of rain. But there will be cold weather. There will be snow in many parts of the country, and we need to prepare for it. One of the things that in running, you can run on snow or you can try a new way of running or a new sport that to help you with running on snow. Snowshoeing is one of those things you can try. My guest this week is Bob Dion, who's the founder of Dion Nevitrack Snowshoes. He was is a runner and he ran for many, many years. He did ultras and trail running and all that. And he tried out snowshoeing and he loved it. He lives in a very cold part of the country in Massachusetts. And he tried out snowshoeing and he loved it. But he wanted to design a snowshoe that was really good for runners. And he did. They were called Dion Snowshoes. Now he's combined with Dion Nevitrack snowshoes, and they're American-made. They're designed by his company. They're manufactured in the U.S., so it's a really good company to support. And I'm very happy to have him as my guest, and he'll talk about his company, and I'll talk about why runners should snowshoe this winter. So here is Bob Dion. Well, you welcome to the show, Bob Dion. He started Dion Snowshoes, which is now called the Dion Nevitrek Snowshoes. And we're going to learn all about why we should take up snowshoeing this winter. Hi, Bob. How are you? Oh, good. Good to be here. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, First of all, snowshoes. Why did you start Dion Snowshoes so many years ago? Uh, Well, I was a trail runner and uh, in the winter, yeah, I could run on snowmobile trails some of the time, uh, and uh, you know, just really enjoyable. Uh, you didn't have all the, uh, you know, the roots, rocks, mud. Uh, you didn't have the pounding, uh, and also just running on the roads and the puddles and slop in the winter was uh, kind of aggravating. Uh, so it was nice just to go out for hours on a snowy, you know, snow-covered trail, and uh, but you were still pretty limited on you know, which trails and you still had the snowmobiles, you know, going by at pretty high speed. Uh, so, uh, 
a friend of mine uh, mentioned that he was putting on a snowshoe series, you know, and uh, it was, you know, four snowshoe races on the same trails that nice little single track uh, that we had trail racing on. It sounded fun, but I was training pretty serious, so it wasn't really a priority. Uh, But I think the second year he did it, I showed up for one of the races and uh, they had loner snowshoes, uh, but it was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, I got there late, so I ended up getting a big pair of backcountry snowshoes to race in. So uh, anyway, we started the race about four miles and uh, there was this high school kid with a pair of the small racing snowshoes. Uh, But he and I just kept going back and forth. Uh, You know, he'd be, you know, breaking trail. Then he'd fall and I'd go by him. Uh, so it was a lot of, it was a pretty good race. Uh, I ended up winning it, but still it wasn't, you know, it, it really didn't fit in my schedule, you know, to work that hard for four miles when I could have, you know, done 20 or 30 that day. Uh, yeah, I need, you know, I just thought, you know, it was a novel idea and it was fun. Uh, but the following year he had, you know, a couple more races and, uh, I showed up for uh, the first one of those and kind of decided that it was such extreme difference. Uh, You know, you're working so much harder uh, and time-wise to cover four miles on snowshoes was quite a bit longer than, you know, four miles uh, on the roads. Uh, And it was a good workout. So I kind of switched my schedule to where I was going to do all the snowshoe races, but use them as a, uh, a hard training day, uh, you know, basically short, intense. So, uh, yeah, once I kind of adopted that uh, mindset, I uh, started, you know, doing the, you know, every other week. But uh, the problem was the snowshoes were pretty horrible. Uh, you know, we'd bang our ankles. Uh, people were taking cardboard and taping it to the inside of their ankles, you know, just to survive. Uh, and then you had to wait like a week or two to heal up before. And then luckily the races were spaced every couple of weeks. But anyway, I kind of decided that you know, at the time I was designing lab instruments and such uh, for a small company. So I knew the purchasing, I knew the engineering and kind of decided that, you know, maybe I was going to make my own snowshoes. Uh, they, you know, they can't be that hard to make. So, uh, you know, looking at them. Uh, but it turned out, yeah, they're pretty damn complicated. Uh, the, basically, you know, if you were running in nice fluffy snow all the time or hiking, a snowshoe is a pretty simple thing. But we're running horrible conditions. You know, you know we're in the northeast, so you might have good snow at one elevation and then ice at another uh, and then windswept rocks and ledges. And also a lot of the courses had road crossings and such. So uh, the snowshoes I had, everybody loved. Uh, yeah, I started selling them. And uh, it, it was kind of fun because I'd be in a race with people and looking around and probably 60% had my snowshoes on. And uh, if there was a problem, somebody broke something, you know, I'd stop and see, was it my my snowshoe or or was it, you know, was there a problem with mine or was it somebody else's? And most of the time it was a mixture. Uh, none of the snowshoes would really hold up to the conditions we were racing. So uh, anyway, I, I kind of got some really good feedback on the design 
uh, at every race. So we constantly kept improving it and making changes. And then we'd see how that worked in the next race. That is really, I mean, you would have to pretty well uh, almost go from scratch back then, right? They didn't really have the the type of uh, snowshoes you wanted. Yeah, well, at the time, there was a couple of models or brand other brands that had a like a 22 inch you know small snowshoe but it was basically a, a big heavy 22 inch you know something attached to your foot uh a lot of people then the bindings were, were horrible uh so you got all this movement and that's why you'd bang your ankles mm. uh so so our design made sure we didn't have any of that movement uh and then you had the durability, you know, we had to solve those problems. Uh, but at that time, the National Association, uh, which, you know, puts on the national championship for uh, snowshoe racing, uh, they were voting on changing the size of the snowshoe from 25 inch down to 22, just because people were using those 22 inch and it wasn't really fair uh, if other people were using 25. Uh so basically, it was good for us because we were just starting to design and we could make them any size we wanted. So when they went to the uh, the 21 inch, it was great because uh, all of a sudden we're like right out of the gate, you know, making good racing snowshoes. Great timing then. Very, very cool. Yeah. Why should runners try snowshoeing this winter? Uh, well, the, the biggest thing is that you're not fighting the, the traffic along the edge of the road and puddles and uh, risking, you know, hitting a patch of ice or whatever. Uh, and also, if you go out for, say, 20 miles on a Saturday, it's cold. Your muscles are sore or cold. Everything's it, – it's almost like your shoes are hard plastic. Uh, you get that different sound even, you know, to click, 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 you know. It's – and there's a lot of pounding. uh and it's also just really hard to get out the door. I mean, if if you get a twenty mile an hour wind and you're going down the road, twenty mile an hour mile an hour uh, headwind is uh, pretty brutal. Uh, or in the woods, you don't really have the wind. Uh, the trees are blocking it. Uh, also, you don't have the pounding because you know, the snow's soft. So you're working a lot harder. You're using a lot more energy, a lot more muscles. But if you did a twenty mile on the roads that day you'd be pretty sore Sunday if you did the equivalent or even 20 miles uh, on snowshoes a couple hours later you're good as new so you get all the good uh effects without the uh negative yeah that's true you do uh and even if you do stick to trails you still there are going to be a lot of trails that are going to be closed to you because they're they're too too much snow and with snowshoes you can just keep going right on going yeah there's places like in the adirondacks where they'll find you i forgot what the fine is but substantial uh if you hike in the winter without snowshoes you gotta at least have them with you uh and also a lot of people if they're out cross-country skiing or other people using the trails Really hate it if you're out there post holing mm-hmm. and uh, messing up the trail. Sure. So uh, we do still. There's there's times where if you're anywhere near cross country skier or ski trail, they really don't like uh, snowshoers. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but that's changed now that they realize that we're packing their trail and you go out in April and the only snow in the woods is this strip of a foot wide, foot high snow from the snowshoers. Yeah, that's a lot different now. And you talk about post holing. Where's the fun in that if you're going out hiking? That's not fun at all. When I've gone out hiking or, or trail running and you just happen to come across a patch of snow, that is no fun at all. Just having to do that. You know, that that just you, you don't want to do that for any any length of time more than you have to. Oh yeah. Yeah. We used to have a uh well, we called it uh, the I did a pub, uh, and it was basically before I was making snowshoes. We'd uh, meet up, carpool out 20 miles away from the pub, uh, and then we'd run the Appalachian Trail up over the mountains in waist-deep snow without <laughs> snowshoes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was brutal, uh, but it was a thing. You know, it's like, you know, you get to the pub at the end and, you know, drink beer, and talk about it. Talk so, about uh, your war, your your war yeah. stories from the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we did a lot of crazy stuff back then, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. But it's much nicer, and and also the traction. Uh, you know, I used to run the highest peak in Massachusetts, Greylock. Uh, it was all groomed for snowmobiles, so it was basically like an indoor track, uh, but without the traction. <laughs> so uh, I'd run that, and it's hard. You wouldn't post hole, but it was, you know, 30 miles over and back, uh, you know, up to the top of the summit, you know, yeah, 3,400 feet and then down the other side. And we actually raced it and everything. <laughs> uh, but you still need a trip. So people would put, you know, screws in their shoes and, you know, whatever to get traction. Uh, but with snowshoes, you've got all that. And ours are small and light. So you don't really know you have a snowshoe on either. Uh, you know, you're not ha- you don't have any of the movement. You've got the cushioning. You got the, yeah. It's it's basically it makes uh, even running on snowmobile packed snowmobile trails just much more fun and easier. So that is very cool. So you do you have different styles that that runners can get or or what if a beginning if a if a runner wants to try snowshoeing what would be the first type of snowshoe they would want to get for snowshoeing in the winter. Uh, well, one is that our our company, yeah, I'm a runner. I design the snowshoes. I use the snowshoes. Uh, other companies are all marketing. So if they see, oh, there's 60% of the snowshoers are women, we'll make a baby blue and it's a women's model. Or we'll tell them, well, it's narrow or it's this, it's, you know, it's, and it's just marketing. Uh, yeah. So the other thing they've done is that if you weigh a hundred pounds, you need this size. If you weigh 150, you need this size. And if you weigh 200, you need an even bigger one. Uh, and they kind of treat it like it's a canoe. So you go out on the lake and if your canoe is too small, you're sink, going to sink to the bottom. Uh, so you got to have just the right size and you stay right on top of the fluffy snow. And that's kind of bull. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. Uh, what you're doing with any snowshoe, whether you're hiking, backcountry, running, is get the smallest you can get away with. And also, you're not going to, they call it flotation, which just to be kind of the way I am, uh, I actually did a video where I went off the back of my brother's boat in August, 
with snowshoes on to see if they float. <laughs> uh, and it, just to kind of prove the point, it's, it's not a canoe. Uh, so, so basically, if you're running, get the smallest one you can get away with or, or go down to the legal smallest, uh, which is our you know, model 120 and 121, because it has to be 120 square inches. And that's why our model numbers are the square inches of the, the frame. Uh, but if you're hiking or you're bigger, uh, then go a little bit bigger. Uh, the only time it matters is when out here, what we get is powder, then a crust, and then powder, then a crust. Mm. Uh, if it's just powder, nothing's going to stay on top. You just, you're just packing it as you go. Uh, if it's hard, a lot of times you only need snowshoes. Uh, or you're only going to sink, like I say, you're going to post hole, but if it's four feet of snow, you're not going to sink four feet ever. Right. Uh, so what you want to do is just pack the snow as you go. But if you get that layers of crust and you have too big of a snowshoe, you're going to be on top, on top, break through, on top, on top, break through. Uh, if you have too small a snowshoe, you're still going to post hole. You're going to you know, pop a hole, step. And if you're tall, Whoever's following you is going to have to jump from hole to hole. Uh, so what you want to do is get, say, a 25-inch. And what that does is it connects the holes. So you're making a trench. Mm. Uh, what people can do, too, is if you look at any snowshoe race videos or even the pictures, look at the front of the pack where they're knee-deep in the snow. And then look at the people in the back. They're in a trench. Mm. It's packed. Uh, which brings up another thing is that unlike other sports, okay, if you have a track race, the five-minute miler is gone, the six-minute miler is falling behind, the 10-minute miler is way back, and it gets more spread out through the race, whatever distance. Uh, if you get on the trails, you're going to find where a five-minute miler might, depending on the trail, the five-minute miler might slow to a six or a seven. The 10-minute miler isn't going to slow much more because he's already slow. Uh, if you get in snowshoeing, the five-minute miler might go to a 10. <laughs> the 10-minute miler, it's still it's packed, so they're not going to go much slower. Uh, if you know, They may go to an 11. And I've been in races where the lead pack was maybe 100 yards ahead of the last place that was walking for an entire like that four mile race uh the front people were taking turns breaking trail every 30 seconds and nobody could stay in front for more than 30 seconds uh so the people in the back are just walking along watching the people in the front falling over and <laughs> you know trying to break trail uh so there's such an advantage this you know the slower back of the pack people don't think that oh snow snowshoeing is going to be so hard for me because you know, regular running is hard. Uh, no, you got so much advantage. Yeah, you're always going to have nice packed snow. Uh, there's times where you get dry powder where it gets stirred up, uh, but still, it's nowhere near as hard for the back of the pack people as uh, the front. Well, I like that. This is this that is very very cool. I like that the back of the pack has the advantage. That is really really cool. You know, I want to go back to something that you said, and and it's. It's a problem with with shoe companies, with running shoe companies, is that they they seem to always think that us us women or females like 
powder, like pastel colors. It's like, no, some of us like, like dark colors. <laughs> so they have to think out of the box sometimes. But and that's it's marketing. Yep. Yeah. I worked for in marketing and, and advertising for a while. I know that they're very, they don't, they don't think more than, than just a little bit. I, I'm not even going to get started in that. <laughs> they didn't like my opinions because they didn't fit their, their little, um, boxes so they they didn't appreciate that very much um let me see so so now safety tips now safety tips on the trail for snowshoeing is are they different than like if you're running on a trail is it the same kind of of safety tips that you have snowshoeing well the thing with snowshoeing is let's say you've got a really nasty you know hilly uh, roots rocks you know, mud, you know, all kinds of things, uh, and you're twisting, turning. In the winter, depending on if you're the first out or other people have been there or if you're back at a pack, uh, but basically there aren't any roots, rocks, mud. It's white and it's packed. And uh, you could be on a steep downhill where in the summer you might have to grab a tree or figure out how to slow down to take a turn. With snowshoes, you're sinking enough with every step that basically if you got to take a turn your foot makes a turn you know your foot digs in just enough that it's much easier to turn and if you fall you're not going to get hurt <laughs> uh, so that's a good point i like that that sounds like a lot of fun now does um dion nevy trek do they still sponsor races and ski areas um, yeah, we sponsor quite a few, uh, and what we do in the Northeast, especially okay. and in, uh, Ontario is most events will have a bin or two of, uh, loaner snowshoes. So, uh, you know, the people that want to try it, just make sure you reserve ahead of time. Uh, a lot of places they'll charge five bucks or whatever. Uh, so, but, uh, but basically you don't have to go out and spend, you know, two or $300 on a pair of snowshoes. Uh, and worry about showing up and having people look at you funny. Uh, like, you know, why do you have those? Or, you know, you really shouldn't have got those or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, it just takes that out of it. Uh, that's when I started, that's what happened. I'd borrow the snowshoes and you pretty quickly like, you know, find out, do you, do you like it? Do you like the snowshoe? Uh, you might just hate being out in the cold and, you know, save your money. Then don't buy snowshoes. Yeah. Uh, but if you like it, uh, it's good to look around. You can see what other people are wearing, what they're doing. Uh, and then it's uh, somewhat like track or uh, cross country is if you want to race it, there's a lot of strategy involved uh, because everything you do wrong, it's like you know, running a hundred miler. Uh, if you make a mistake, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to pay for it. Uh, almost any race is like that. Uh, but with snowshoeing is if you go out too fast on snowshoes, you're really going to mm. pay the price. Uh, and it's almost impossible to go out into a race and not go out too fast. Uh, cause the perception is, yeah, you know, this is okay. Uh, you know, I know my pace or, and then a gun goes off and you know, within a hundred yards, you got to pull over, uh, and then trying to recover with snowshoes on, you know, is really hard. Uh, so what you learn is like where to pass out. Everybody's got their strategy. If you're good on an uphill, you're good on a downhill. Uh, but also the worst thing in the world is you can get 
four or five people ahead of you walking on an uphill and you're stuck behind them and your competition could be in front of that bunch just pulling away. Uh, so you quick pull over to the side, floor it, you know, start pick up the pace. But they're in a packed groove and you're in knee deep snow uh, trying to pass them. And even if you get by them, as soon as you pull back over, you're shot. Uh, now you're really regretting uh, and you feel like an idiot because now you're walking slower than they are behind you and you just passed them. Uh, so there's a lot of that. Uh, but I've seen guys that will go out and check the course ahead of time and see, look at certain trees. Uh, that's where I want to pass, you know, and uh, you, you kind of learn your abilities uh, pretty quickly. The other thing is uh, probably 80% of everybody in any race is overtrust. Uh, again, you know, looking at pictures and like, you're going to see where the gun goes off and everybody's got the hats, gloves, you know, uh, you know, a vest or a coat or something. And by the finish, everybody's down to a t-shirt and <laughs> carrying all their clothes. That reminds me of, of cross country skiing. Cause I remember when I, I was an avid downhill skier for when I was young and we tried cross country skiing a couple times and you just it's such a workout and and we would like wear the big down coats and everything and by halfway through it was like no 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 can't can't wear these things yep yeah so but yeah the kind of the thing is like you know really if you're comfortable standing around the beginning of the snowshoe race then yeah you're way overdressed <laughs> but the other thing too is to make sure that I've made this mistake a lot because I'm always like working the races and, you know, talking shop. Uh, when you get finished, you're going to be really warm, really sweaty, uh, get changed quick uh, mm -hmm. before you start talking or drinking beer and all that. Uh, but we'll go out on days where driving to a race, uh, the weather, oh, it's wind chills, you know, deadly. Don't go out any, you know, stay in the house. Uh, you know, it's, horrible wind chill you get to a race and you finish the race and people all stand around t-shirt drinking beer so and none of these people probably would have even gone out and trained that day or especially done a race never mind in the snow uh it's just it makes winter suck less <laughs> yeah it's, it yeah you know, it's and cross-country skiers too uh you mentioned that a lot of our customers are cross-country skiers, but they got older. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, if you get on a slight downhill on cross-country skis and you're in your 60s, uh, like I am, it's scary. Uh, you know, I don't want to fall down a, you know, yeah. a downhill. Uh, so snowshoes, you don't have to worry. You know, you walk up a hill, you walk down a hill. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's not just much more forgiving. It's uh, a lot safer than, you know, skiing and such. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I switched to, I I kept injuring myself. Uh, I was in my 40s. I kept injuring myself downhill skiing. So I said, okay, I'm just going to run all the time. Plus, it got really expensive. I mean, Lake Tahoe, just downhill skiing was just outrageously expensive. So I said, I'm spending all this money on on downhill going downhill skiing once a week when I could run almost every day. So I switched. That was the end of that. But yeah, yeah, the, um, that's a really, really good tip about 
about being sweaty when it's cold outside to get changed quickly, get out of those and get into some warm, dry clothes in cold weather. That is really, really a, an important tip. And some of us don't remember that because you've got the endorphins going and maybe you have a, a, a an alcoholic beverage or something, and then you just completely forget about it. Yep. And yeah. the thing too is at racing, uh, you go to a, a snowshoe race, it's, the same people as a trail race. So they're not going to like finish and go home. Uh, no. You know, they're going to hang out and talk and yeah. It's true. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. We're all, we're very sociable people, which, which is why, why it's so awesome. That's what's your favorite distance. What, or what was your favorite distance to race in snowshoes, snowshoe races? Uh, generally the longer, the better. Uh, a 5k on snowshoes is really painful <laughs> and and if you do go out too fast or any you know it's like there's no time to really recover or make up for it uh so what i found is that you know if you get out to my favorite's probably around 10 miles uh you know they've got snowshoe races up to 100 miles and uh snowshoe marathons but the problem with that is that, you know first of all that you're dealing with yeah, you know, horrible conditions. You know, it could be freezing rain while you're out there. Uh, anything. Uh, and also, if footwear-wise, some people, if, if you have, say, too thick of socks or whatever, you're cutting off circulation. Mm -hmm. So now you're running. The longer you're out there, you're running that risk. Uh, and also, like trail running versus road running, if you're doing a marathon on snowshoes, you're not going to be doing it in three hours <laughs> yeah, or four. Yeah. So you're going to be out there so much longer working so much harder. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've, I've done it, but it's, yeah, it's not, not my favorite. Uh, and I think for the most part is that it's, uh, winter's too unpredictable. Uh, you know, you could have a beautiful Saturday with, you know, 30 degrees and sunny, and next day could be, you know, 20 and, you know, mm. with a wind chill. So, yeah. It, so, it, and like I say, and you're working hard, uh, you know, shedding layers. And so I don't mind training long. I'll go out for six hours on a snowshoe, you know, training run. And that's fine because you can carry clothes and change and, you know, eat and drink. And, uh, but, but for races, I think, you know, right around a half marathon, uh, you know, 15K to half marathon is a really good distance. You can settle in early uh, and just gradually just keep picking people off just because a lot of people go out too fast. That's and true. and it's also, you know, good a good workout, but good recovery. So, uh, you know, you get done. And again, a half marathon on roads or even trails is going to beat you up. And a half marathon, you know, on the snows, you know, you finish feeling really really tired but an hour later you could do it again yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna say it, it hasn't wiped you out for the whole day so what's your favorite apres snowshoe treat uh well beer <laughs> so, <laughs> uh but uh but basically yeah we've had where uh you know sometimes it's all uh 
you know, especially with the, the Western Mass series when it uh, started, uh, everybody'd be hanging around a you know fire barrel and uh, and you'd have like you know hot soup and and all that. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, well, um, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun, and and really, I know more about snowshoes than I ever have and before, and it actually makes me want to plan a trip up to up to the mountains to snowshoe. So I maybe I, I'm going to have to plan that in somehow this this winter, because um, we have a lot of really cool places in the Sierra Nevadas to to do that. Surprisingly, yeah. surprisingly, there's very few snowshoe races. Uh, probably, well, the Northeast by far has, you know, tons of them. Uh, yeah, at one point there was probably a hundred snowshoe races mm. within driving distance. Uh, but also everything around here is within driving distance. Uh, yeah. So uh, unlike uh, when there was qualifiers for nationals, uh, people out west would have to drive sometimes five, six hours to just to go to a qualifier. Uh, and then if they didn't qualify, there wasn't another one anywhere nearby. There could have been one in every state, but, you know, it could be 10 hours to get to the next state and do a race. Uh, so, uh, and also I found is like in um, Bend, for instance, uh, when the Nationals were there, people in town could be biking on the roads and running the trails with no snow. Why were they going to go up into the top of the mountains and snowshoe? That's uh, true. That's true. So. It, but it's it it's just for me. It's not even uh, uh, even racing. It's just going out and, and just just doing it for training. It's it's such a good workout. Oh yeah, when I I got to uh, Western States hundred, uh, mm. I'm amazed that they're just opening a lot of roads, yeah. and uh, you know there's you know it could be 10, 15 feet of snow out in the woods and and. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking like, hey, these people should be snowshoeing. I know. <laughs> yeah. They had a huge amount of snow this year. Oh, oh this my year God. Was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. It was like the the first year in a long time I wish I I was still skiing, but I don't wish I don't miss paying all that money for it. So it's okay. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing too with uh, skiing, even cross country skiing, uh, tra- trail fees, uh, the equipment. Uh, yeah, we, I've got people that they'll complain about, you know, $250 snowshoe uh but their running shoes are close to that now that's true or they yeah or they'll uh complain about the 250 and fifty snowshoe and and uh they'll be wearing under armor and all this you know yeah no your prices prices, yeah yeah your prices are very reasonable for for snowshoes and it's great quality and made in the usa too i wanted to say that too yeah but also you can just go out your back door uh or mm-hmm. pretty much anywhere. Go to a state park. That's uh, right. That's right. You don't really need you don't need expensive lessons to learn how to use them either. No. Nope. I mean, really, to to know how to ski or to know how to snowboard properly, you got to take at least a at least a lesson or two. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of tech, a lot of technique, and uh, but it's but it's basically running. You know, it's uh, you know, if you can walk, you can snowshoe. If you can, if you run. There's no difference unless you got some horrible snowshoes. Then, <laughs> then you, then you got to watch because the snowshoe ha- will have its own swing or rhythm. And uh, if you speed up, the snowshoe has its own, you know, little delay. Uh, so again, our design 
got rid of all that, uh, anything that I didn't like, uh, anything that hurt my racing where I was annoyed because the snowshoe, it, you know, if I turn, I, I want to, I want the snowshoe to turn. Uh, I don't want to wonder if the, I'm going to get around a corner or if you're on a side of a hill, you don't want to keep sliding sideways down the hill. Uh, so you want to make sure, you know, you've got the right traction, you know, the right size frame and the right binding. And again, we made ours modular because again, it's sports equipment. Uh, you know, if you go into a bike shop, you can't buy a bike for somebody else. Uh, you know, what size frame, what kind of frame, mm -hmm. where are you riding? Are you riding hills? Uh, you can change all these components to what's going to work most of the time. And then if you find that, well, you know, you were never thought about, you know, uh, mountain biking, you got a road bike. Uh, it's a different instrument. Uh, so what ours is, if you have a racing frame and you want to go to Tahoe, you can change the frame, keep your binding and cleat, just change it over and then go out back country in Tahoe without buying a whole nother set of snowshoes. Uh, if I've been in, I was in a race one time where I had not enough traction you know, early on, uh, but I had like the standard cleat and there was way more snow than we thought because uh, we started in an open field that was pretty mm -hmm. packed. But once we got up into the hills, came back around on the first loop, I stopped, I changed the cleat and I had dropped from like third place to maybe 10th. I changed the cleat and moved right back up into third. Uh, and people are like, well, can you do that? And, well, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Just did. <laughs> all right. Well, that sounds awesome. Well, I, um, so I'm going to have all the your link, the uh, the company link on the website so that they can uh, check it out and hopefully uh, use your snowshoes for training this year so that they don't miss a day of training because of the snow. Yep. And that's Dion Nevy Trek Snowshoes and Bob Dion the founder of the company and thank you so much bob for joining us appreciate it very much and good luck on everything yeah great it's good to be here okay bye-bye thank you very much bob it was fun having you on it was fun talking about snowshoeing and winter i'm never one to really look forward to snow and winter in the cold i do like the food of winter i like the food of, of fall and i like to hunker down and bundle up and all that stuff, but it's hard running in cold weather. It really is. And I'm much more of a warm weather type person, to be honest. But I do plan to move to a more mountainous area, and it will be cold part of the year, so i got to get used to that. So, yes, this is something that will be part of my life. So, yes, I need to get used to that. So I will be doing another episode. I did one when I first started, but it was one of my very first episodes. I was talked about winter running and I will be doing another one. Well, I'm going to combine it with a race report that I'll be doing in November. So I'll also talk about winter running and do some updates and do some more stuff that I didn't talk about in the first episode that I did because that was a long time ago. Yeah, it's time to update that. And I'll talk about that more as it gets along. And that should be interesting. Next week, next, this upcoming Saturday, I have my first, well, 
It's my second race since surgery, but it's the first race I'm actually going to be running in. I probably won't run the whole race because it's a 12-hour timed race. I'll be walking most of it, but I will be running part of it anyway, so that's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be just east of Sacramento. The weather looks pretty good. It looks like either it's going to be around 80 degrees, maybe 85, but it doesn't going to be look like it's going to be 100 degrees like it was last year. Last year when I did Ride to Walk, it was so hot. It was 100 degrees. It, it was just, oh, it was really, really hot. That kept my mileage way, way down, much less than I wanted it to be. So I do have A, B, and C goals. So as long as I hit C goal, I'll be happy. And I'll talk more about that next week when I get back because I'm only going to be gone three days. I can't really afford to do it right now. I'm still paying off medical bills and until I get that paid off, I really can't afford a long trip. I do plan a longer trip next February when I do what I will go down to Boulder City in Nevada to do the bootleg boogie. And you should join me. I'll put a link on that in the website, MarthaRensaWorld.com. It's a really cool race. It's a brand new race that's going to be happening in Boulder City in the first weekend of February. There are going to be lots of distances. They're long distances, though. No short races in this race, or in this day of races, I should say. They're longer distances. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a beautiful area. It's right near uh, Hoover Dam. It's going to be fun. And and a lot of cool people are going to be there. So I hope to see you there, and uh, we can meet up and chat and run together. All right, so that is it today, and the website is MarthaRunsTheWorld.com. If you want to email me, it is MarthaRunsTheWorld at gmail.com. And until next week, let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run. <laughs>